Get ready as today's episode is different from the normal. Today we have a special guest that shares with you the view from the nonprofit sector in financial literacy. So keep on listening as it's a good one. You did it. You have found your judgment-free zone, the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for women who want to become reinas of their money and love their dinero more. I am your host, Jen Hemphill, a former extreme frugalist turned reina of your money advocate. Each week, I'm going to help you reign your money like that queen that you are with inspiring interviews and panel discussions from La Comunidad Latina and with solo episodes sharing simple, actionable tips and strategies. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And now let's jump into today's dose of money confidence. Bienvenida. How are you doing? Gracias por estar aquí. This is Jen Hempel, your host. And today I have this special guest from the nonprofit sector in the world of personal finance. In fact, this organization is what gave me the push and start into becoming an accredited financial counselor. Today, I have with us Rebecca Wiggins. Rebecca is the executive director of AFCPE, is the co-host of Real Money, Real Experts, the podcast, and she leads AFCPE in supporting their mission and financial professionals across the industry. As a national association for financial counselors, coaches, and educators, it sets the highest standards of professionalism for the field, and it is continuously working to ensure the financial field is aware of the opportunities with AFCPE and the services they offer. In today's episode, you are going to hear how she became interested in the nonprofit sector, as well as some changes that have been happening in regards to diversity and inclusion in the financial literacy world. You're also going to hear the recurring themes appearing to those serving the Latinx community, so you can compare and take some notes there. She also shares some Latinx-friendly resources that she recommends. Lista, let's go meet Rebecca Wiggins. Bienvenida, Rebecca, to this podcast. I'm really thrilled to have you here. I've known you for quite a while now, and I'm excited to connect with you today and just not just learn more about you, but discuss more what you know on what's going on in the financial industry. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's start off with your money story. So growing up, what did you hear? What did you observe? What did you experience that really relates to money? Sure. So for me growing up, we didn't actually talk much about money in my family. It was sort of a taboo topic. You knew that it caused stress when there maybe wasn't enough. But I didn't really know a lot about it or certainly not how to manage my own money when I started to get some. And one of my first actual memories is a little embarrassing. But when I got to college, I did end up getting a part-time work-study program, but I wasn't making enough to actually keep up with how my friends were spending. And of course, not growing up really talking about how to manage money and all of that, it, it got a little out of control. And so when I went to go home that very first semester, I had to get on an airport shuttle to fly home. And I realized that I actually didn't even have enough in my bank account to get on the shuttle. And so a friend of mine had to help fund that bill. And I just remember feeling completely ashamed and I couldn't buy Christmas presents for my family. And it was just a huge wake up call about getting organized with your money, making sure you know what you 
you know, live within your means and just not trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. So it was a huge wake up call for me. And I think also now as a parent makes me realize how much more we do need to include our children in these topics at a much earlier age. Oh, absolutely. So do you feel that that memory that really stands out for you is the the pivotal moment where you wanted to get involved in the financial industry? Or was it more your interest in the nonprofit sector? That's a great question. I actually, I don't know that I intentionally even got into the nonprofit sector, but certainly that came before personal finance. So for me, actually, my original interest was music. And I went to undergrad to get that degree. But I knew kind of early on that I didn't want to do the traditional path to music. And so I started getting more involved in the nonprofit sector of the arts. And that ended up leading me to AFCPE many, many years ago now. And so through that, then I went back and got my master's in family financial planning and my MBA to learn more from the personal finance angle. So that was sort of my journey. That is so interesting. So you went from music to the nonprofit sector and more specifically in the financial field. Yeah. And it, it was always something that, you know, I think I always sort of had this idea about what being in the financial sector meant. And that was never something that really aligned with what I thought my strengths were. So I always sort of geared myself more towards things like social work or psychology. And eventually, I did choose music mostly because that was where I could get a little bit of assistance going to college. But I was a little bit more interested in those kinds of fields. And so I never even thought about finance as a field. And that was something that was really interesting to me, getting to know AFCPE and more about our professionals and what they do and understanding that connection to the social side and trying to really help people from not just the numbers, but going underneath the numbers and really helping people emotionally as well. Right. And you've, as you mentioned, you've been with AFCP for a while and you weren't always an executive director because I think when I first knew of you, when I started the FINRA fellowship program, you had other roles. So tell us a little bit about your journey or through uh, in working with AFCP. Yeah, it's a great story just about perseverance and working hard and continuing to learn through different roles. So for me, I was really fortunate when I was hired, I actually started to, as the grant programs coordinator to run that, the FINRA Military Spouse Fellowship Program. And, you know, I just started taking on more and more opportunities to learn a different program or to take on another grant funded project. And eventually then got more into the certification side of AFCPE and then was asked to step into this role. So it's been a great journey for me because I also then have been able to learn a lot of different facets of the organization so that I think it helps me be a better leader today. Oh, absolutely. Now, something that I have seen or observed uh, as your priorities is diversity and inclusion. That's something that a conversation that you and I have had in the past. And that's something that I know that's very important to you, uh, which I appreciate because in AFCP, you also work with a diverse, not just in terms of culture, but you work with a diverse financial professionals from different sectors, from the nonprofit world, from the government, military, academia, private practice. So we both know and that the how to manage the money is the same for everyone, but I strongly believe, and that's why I do what I do, that being effective in teaching financial literacy is different for the different groups because the needs are different. So what have you observed in these different sectors that AFCP serves 
that they are doing to address diversity and inclusion as it pertains? Sure. That's that's a really important question. And you're right. I think the basics of financial education, sort of the concepts around that are the same, but actually our individual stories and our traditions around money are not. And I think that's what we have to first start with is that the reality is that the policies and the systems in our country have not always been the same for all communities. And so you have to understand that first. And then I think it's really important that we as a profession understand how that has had lasting and compounding impacts, even to the point of a lack of trust in the financial services sector or in professionals at large. And so that's the first step for me is understanding that One thing that we're doing kind of from our lens, I can answer that, is taking a look at our core competencies for the AFC in particular and trying to add some more of these cultural applications to the study materials and to the program so that professionals are starting to take a look at that and understand how they can improve their services to people that may have different backgrounds or beliefs than they do. And I think that's a really important step from the professionalization side. Another thing that we've done is, and actually we could really give credit to our diversity and equity and inclusion task force, they've really led the effort in evaluating some of these sort of operational processes that we can take a look at from a staff and a board perspective so that we, and they actually created something called an equity screen, which is sort of like a checkpoint for us that we make sure that at all points, whether it's a staff decision, a board policy, any sort of new program that we're developing, that we're taking a step back and making sure that we're creating decisions through a lens of equity and that if, you know, who is most impacted by this program or this decision and are they part of the decision-making process? And I think that's something that's really important. But I will say, I think one of the most powerful things that I've seen happening in, as you talk about sort of how to address financial literacy from different sectors and different lenses For me, what I'm noticing a change in is a breakthrough in mindset and really understanding the conditioned beliefs of our upbringing. We all have those, you know, no matter how you were raised or where you were raised. But sometimes those create that negative association or, like I said before, that lack of trust. And I think that can then limit someone or even limit sometimes the the professional about what is possible for that individual. So for me, I've seen it. It's really exciting when you see that new level of consciousness, like people make that connection to mindset and money and they can sort of, it's almost like this aha moment that gives people freedom to see things differently and actually a sense of agency really to start going forward in a different way and creating a new relationship with money. And I think that's actually the fundamental part of how we're going to cross differences is really understanding it's unique to the individual. I love that you say that, (laughs) of course, (laughs) because what we traditionally see with financial literacy and education, we don't see that. We don't see that being taught. We don't see that as part of what we teach on how to budget, how how to save, how to invest, how to understand your mindset. We don't really see that. We're starting to see people talk about it. And I'm wondering how long it will take to really incorporate this in these different sectors, right? So I I know you mentioned there's been that awareness and that discussion, but I'm wondering because you've been at AFCP for a while, so you've seen what it takes to implement these different programs. So what do you think, like, is this going to take 
forever? Or, or do you think at the pace that people are discussing this, are they are being proactive? Or what are your thoughts? That's a really, it's a tough question. The idealist in me wants to believe that it's going to be quicker than it probably will be. But I do think for me, where I really see improvement is on the professionalization side. Of course, that's my lens. So it makes sense that that's kind of where I see it. But that's actually, to your point, I think that's what makes me so excited about the work at AFCPE is that I really feel like our professionals are uniquely positioned in this space to make really important change. And I say that because mo- you know, when you think about the financial services industry, just like I did when I, before I even got into this field, you sort of have an idea of what it is. It's about numbers or it's about wealth or you know, it's, it's something a little bit more tactical. I think what is so exciting about our field and specifically AFCPE's professionals and financial counselors and coaches is that they connect that head and heart. And before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. That's where I think if we can start to make that more mainstream, and that's part of the core competencies, that's part of the professionalization and the standards that we require for professionals, then I think we build in empathy and start to understand. We, we look at our clients differently. And so then we can start to help them look at themselves differently and make different choices and move forward with their relationship with money differently. And I think that's what is hopeful to me. I know I'm not really directly answering your question because I don't know. I mean, a lot of this is systems change and individual change. Like we all have to do our own work as an individual, as a professional, but we also have to look at how have these systems compounded some of these negative impacts. And when you talk about the racial wealth gap, for instance. So I think it's sort of a both and, um, but I do think that if we can unlock this mindset piece, both from the individual, the, the client and the professional lens, we actually unlock something so powerful that I do think change can happen more quickly because it's really important, authentic change. I love it. And I, th- I agree. I think it's going to take time, but I think it depends on who jumps on the campaign. I don't want, I don't want to call it in the campaign because if you think about the, the first thing that I think about is body image for girls mm-hmm. and how obviously there's there's been an impact on the media on how they feel because of what they see, but you now you have seen the discussion, different campaigns, TV, media campaigns to combat that, if you will. So I think it will take time, but I think it depends. I don't know if jumping on that campaign is the right terminology, but that's what came to mind. But I think if there's, whether some, I don't know, big company that really believes that and sees the the power in that, you know, maybe can happen faster. So, well, and I think the point you're making is really important just to even emphasize how many different facets of this are at play. I mean, when you look at the marketing messages alone, to your point, and how powerful those messages can be in our conditioning of who we are, what our value is, how we're seen in the world, that alone is something that, you know, we struggle to work against. And then compounding that with, you know, we're not really taught this in schools, at least consistently in the, in the way that I believe we should be. So you're coming against sort of all these really systemic barriers that we have to fight against in terms of the messaging and reaching people and letting them know, you know, even for instance, that AFCPE professionals are out there, how many people don't even know what an AFC is, and yet they are so 
well-equipped to handle not just you know, helping you with your budget and helping with the numbers or getting you out of debt, but really addressing some of these deeper seated connections to money that we may not even know we have. And so that's where I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's sometimes it's the, how do we combat some of that or do things differently in a way that people start to, we can shine a light on what is possible and what is available for folks so that we can kind of chart new territory in, in a different direction. Love it. So besides the mind opening, or maybe that's not the right word, but the, our professionals or AFCP professionals really be more aware about the mindset component and how it has to do with our financial life. What other changes or improvements have you seen? I guess the biggest change that I've seen is trying to really seek out and understand different cultures and being sensitive to how that might impact someone's decision making or even their perception of their ability to make a different decision. And so for me, I've been encouraged. I think what I've seen an improvement in is the number of resources that are geared towards different populations. I think sometimes that can confuse folks because there is a lot of information out there. And so how do you know where to get the right kinds of information? But I do see improvement in even just the emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion, I think that can sometimes be not enough, you know, it can be sort of a superficial movement. But I do think there's a lot more resources today that are geared towards specific populations that may have been historically underserved or sort of left out of the discussion. And that is really exciting to me. I love it. No, that is exciting to me. I had a call with a listener and it was nice to where I was able to direct her. her she was so excited about her finances and the changes that she has made from listening to the podcast. And her parents don't speak any English. They only speak Spanish. And she wanted to really teach them or pass on that knowledge uh, because they weren't using the banking system, for example. So they had money saved. <laughs> but now where it's growing. So she was asking me what resources there are out there. Of course, the CFPB has really a lot of fantastic resources in Espanol. So I was able to direct her with that. So I really like that there are the options. You're right. There's a ton. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think we just need to be aware where these different resources are and for whom so we can be able to guide and direct people in the right direction. Absolutely. Now, I know you don't focus specific on the Latinx community because you basically oversee an organization that uh, works with all communities. But have you been able to see in terms of observations or what you read uh, or what comes across your desk, some recurrent themes that have been brought up in the Latinx community in terms of financial literacy, whether it be needs, whether it be challenges or something that you have come up with. Yeah, of course. And you're absolutely right. I'm certainly not an expert, but the things that I've come across related to the Latinx community, I think are, some of the things are really obvious and sort of, you know, we hear about them all the time, like pay inequality. So while we hear a lot about white women earning only 78 or sometimes I've seen 79 cents on the dollar, that is compared, a lot of times we, we miss out, you know, we talk about like when women got the right to vote, but that was white women at that time, you know, so sometimes we forget about the further implications. And so that's one area where white women earn 78 cents on the dollar compared to 54 cents for Latina women. 
um, which is just striking to me. And that's also compared to Black women at 63 cents. So a huge issue there. Another thing that I had read was actually, and I, I don't know if the numbers are exactly correct, but just the understanding that there's often fewer financial assets. So I think I read it was something like on average 20000 for the typical Latinx family compared to 100000 for the white family. And then just other things that I, and you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think there's things that I've sort of always known or learned about just from a community standpoint is the strong role that women play in the family and particularly in managing the household and household finances, which is really interesting to me. And then that focus on community versus individualism and how you see that showing up even in sharing resources like lending circles and things like that, which I find so fascinating and and really cool. So those are kind of the things that come to my mind first. I love it. Now, in terms of, I know we talked about resources and how there's just a vast amount of tools and resources out there. And I know I mentioned the CFPB has a great, it's basically a website in Spanish that has a lot of resources in Spanish in regards to uh, finances. Do you have any other recommendations of Latinx friendly financial resources that you recommend? It can be bilingual, it can be just really understanding of the culture. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely CFPB, they have a ton of resources, as you mentioned. Money Smart also, I think, has resources in Spanish. There is an organization that I think would be really interesting for folks to check out if you don't already know them. It's called Unidos US. They were formerly NCLR for folks who were familiar with them. They're a national organization and they're not, I I wouldn't say they focus just on financial resources, but I think it's important to know that they are out there as uh, providing advocacy materials and information around a lot of different areas, things like civil rights and immigration, but also workforce and the economy, health and housing. So I think that's a really interesting organization and they also have a lot of resources. And then one thing I would recommend too is to check out your university extension office. They oftentimes you know, they have financial education materials, but I think a lot of times they also have specific resources that are geared towards Latinx culture and the community. Okay, awesome. That is a good point, the University Extension Office, because it's always interesting to see how different, I mean, they have some similar programs, but depending on their community near them, they have specific programs that caters to that community. So I find that fascinating, definitely a great resource in addition to the others. Well, Rebecca, this has been fantastic. I love talking to you and learning more, not just about you, but what's going on in the financial sector. And I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I'm curious, what did you think? I hope that you found this conversation useful. I wanted to bring another perspective and thought that someone from the nonprofit sector would be valuable. So I hope that you agree with me. You can connect with more of what Rebecca does over at afcp.org. There you can search for financial counselors like me. But of course, I hope since you're listening to this podcast, that you would choose me, right? (laughs) Another resource that I wanted to share is that AFCPE and Wells Fargo, among some other partners, have partnered up in this big project to provide free financial counseling during this pandemic. 
I will have the link in the show notes, but I wanted to make sure you are aware of this and to make sure you pass this on to those currently in a financial hardship. Free financial counseling, you can't go wrong with that. I'm not sure how many sessions, but I believe it's maybe just one session for that person uh, that is available for free. So I wanted to make sure I pass that on to you. Now, I mentioned the free financial counseling, but if you are seeking some personalized help with your finances that goes beyond telling you to save more and spend less, just like we do here, I mean, we talk about saving more, spending less, earning more, make sure that you apply for coaching. I provide coaching. Hopefully you knew that. But if you don't, you didn't know that for whatever reason, you can apply for coaching over at jenhemphill.com forward slash apply. I don't take a whole lot of clients on, but right now I have opened up my calendar for more clients. Next week, we get to meet Stacy de Armas, who has some insights to share about our Latino community as a researcher and consumer behaviorist at Nielsen. That is it. Eso es todo. I want to thank Rebecca for joining us. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. You can check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 221 for the different links I provided. And remember, I want you to claim your reina crown, tu corona. You don't have to wait. That confidence that you maybe feel that is lacking, you can claim that confidence now. And simply the choice is in your hands. So becoming the reina of your money can start right now. You've got this. Tu puedes. Sending you abrazos through the mic. So hopefully you receive it. Also, be sure to share with us when you listen to this episode by taking a screenshot or a selfie and tag us in your IG stories with at Her Dinero Matters and send this hashtag by the same thing, Her Dinero Matters. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. I will talk to you next Thursday. Ciao.